You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners of The Path Podcast. This is Ben Welnack, and I am going to jump in here and say thank you to Mountain Biking Park City for sponsoring this episode. As you may know, Park City, Utah is a premier mountain biking destination. And they can say that because IMBA awarded it as the world's first gold-level ride center back in 2012. Currently, only five other locations around the world share that title. Pretty exclusive group for a proud few. How did Park City become a gold-level ride center? Well, it all stems from the sheer expanse and variety of trails that create a cohesive network. This network of about 450 miles of diverse riding options all from paved commuting paths for family-friendly riding to aggressive cross-country rides like the epic Wasatch Crest Trail, the options are pretty endless. This, combined with magnificent scenery, numerous bars and restaurants, world-class accommodations, free public transit, and a wide range of entertainment options, it's no wonder that Park City was awarded gold. Experience in Park City, Utah has never been easier, and there's never been a better time than now. So arrange your stay, rent a bike, and book a guide by heading over to mountainbikingparkcity.com. Or, like I said, click in the show notes as you're listening to the show on the Mountain Bike Radio app, and you'll be good. So there you go. Thank you very much to them, and thank you for everybody who is a new listener to the Path Podcast, an old listener, or somewhere in between. We really appreciate it, and uh, if you have any questions, comments, or anything about Mountain Bike Radio in general, you can always email me. It's ben at mountainbikeradio.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. Nathan here with the normal crew, Tani and Ock. So good old-fashioned show for you guys. Um, I just wanted to explain that opener really quick. <laughs> so, uh, I've been casually looking to possibly buy a Jeep cause I've always wanted a Jeep. And one of my coworkers today asked me like, well, what's the plan for such a device? What are you going to do? I'm like, well, when it warms up, I'm taking the top off the doors off and I'm playing the spin doctors on a loop nonstop the entire time. <laughs> So that that's that's my vision for a Jeep. Not dissimilar to my vision of at one point owning a Huey helicopter and blasting um Fortunate Son by Clarence mm-hmm. uh, Creedence Clearwater Survival. Of course. Uh at all times. And hiring an ex Vietnam pilot to uh fly <laughs> me around. And every time I jump in and it's time to go, he yells back, You're gonna wanna buckle up. <laughs> That's that's my that's my dream. Awesome. Awesome. So my Jeep dream's a little bit more attainable than the Huey dream, but you know, goals. Check back next time, right? <laughs> it might be spin doctors on a loop for a while. <laughs> it kind of makes me I kinda wish I had like a Zoolander sound drop I could do right now. <laughs> oh, and by the way, um thanks for the intro, Nathan. This is Tawny saying welcome back to the show, Ock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Man, I I miss a show, and I really am. I was really actually sad. I missed the last show with with Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell was a good one. We had Val. That was a, that was a long time guest and long time uh, 
path ambassador that we've been wanting to get on the show, and we're really glad we did. He's he's got a lot of great stories and a lot of great, very uh, powerful personality, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the Jeep Zoolander theme? Oh yeah, what is the Jeep Zoolander one? Oh yeah, it's a at the gas station. orange mocha frappuccinos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they die in a freak gasoline Maybe she fight. Got an orange mocha frappuccino. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that it will involve orange mocha frappuccinos. <laughs> my uh, my coworkers like I'm taking your man card. It's been revoked. <laughs> <laughs> and I I showed him the clip from Clueless when she's like, "Daddy got me a totally Jeep. It's four by four, lifted monster sound system. You know, I need something to learn on." You know Maxwell doesn't walk around with his man card. He doesn't need it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the man card, right, it's one of those things that you only really need it if you're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Ah, uh, yeah. Should we jump into some shop news? Some shop news. Some sh- hey, hang on. Just one quick second. Is because that me? I, I No, no, no. That was, that was me. I, uh, I got a... It totally bugged me. Which one? That we need was. a full soundboard with sound drops. I, you know what? I worked on that at one point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> so yeah, that that was it. Um, yeah, there's a there's a freak gasoline fight incident in my future. Nathan, <laughs> so hot right now. <laughs> so <Nathan>. hot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, moving on. Drop news. No, one more thing about your Jeep. Does that thing have front and rear lockers? I okay. Oh there's. I don't know yet. I hope I'm, so. I'm working. I I'm casually shopping for said Jeeps. Dude, you, you are not casually shopping <laughs> for said Jeeps. <laughs> I hope it has front and rear lockers. Okay. <laughs> I um, uh, yes. See, this is what happens when we jump right into podcasting rather than talk <laughs> some of this before. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm casual I'm casually kind of not casually. It is I'm not thinking casually. about it. I dated a girl in high school with a red Jeep convertible. It was sweet. <laughs> Did she wear a white snake jean jacket and smoke cigarettes? No, she was more like she was a difference. She was more like homecoming queen style. Ah, right on. Ooh. Was red not white? I always um, envisioned the it was, it was the clueless. Thing. Winners go home red. with the homecoming queen. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hang on for long. I was losers too whine about their best. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was out of my league and I, I was I wasn't really playing in, within my <laughs> lane. I mean, but you did go home with the homecoming queen <laughs> for, for a sec. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Schoolies, homecoming queens, Jeeps. Tani's eclectic. I don't have, or nor have I had a Jeep, but I think that you could probably make it up our local, like, ugliest Jeep trail with one. Pro- well, it, I think it's, a, there's, well, there's a lot of ugly Jeep trails up in, like, Big Bear. I'm thinking like. of the, I mean, you probably won't do oh, it, but I'm yeah, thinking yeah, no, of I, the one named after a luxury car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. no that your grandpa would drive. Style. No. I'm I'm just taking the doors off to go get orange mocha frappuccinos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so should we take shop news? Shop news. Shop news. Uh, maybe in reverse order. 
How about uh, farthest out, spring sale? Yeah. March 31st, spring sale. Can I just say as well, sorry. <clears throat> I got progressive bifocals. Yeah. Did you have bifocals before? I never had bifocals before. Huh. So now I can actually read my phone like this. Nice. When it's sitting on the table. I'm motioning to, Ock is motioning to this phone on the table. Anyways, it's a sign of, you know, it's not if, it's when. Have you considered I the would laser make beams? Bun- I'm sorry? Have you considered the laser beams? Mm, but you would still need reading glasses. I was told they have a laser beam procedure for that. Oh, my goodness. The laser beam procedures are quite advanced. I've been in glasses for so long. I actually like myself with glasses better than without glasses. Yeah. Fair enough. So, the, But you could always wear, I mean, a lot of hipsters wear <laughs> ornamental glasses. You know that? I was visions of, yeah. And I, that's man, cool. That was dangerously close. <laughs> you can't, you can't, it's really, when you say any, never mind. Let's just move on. <laughs> All right. So the spring's on March 31st. It's coming up. Yeah. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. Store-wide, probably the biggest sale of the year. We'll probably try to make the fall sale as big and fail because spring is more exciting than fall. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Time change. And by March 31st, yeah, we'll be off of uh, daylight or we'll be into daylight savings time. Yeah, I know. We're recording on Wednesday the 6th. And it's coming on... Uh, not soon enough. The morning Stop. of Sunday the 10th. Life after work resumes. It's good. I like I like springing forward. Yeah. And you know what? Because they've compressed or whatever, lengthened the however you want to perceive it, it never gets really light enough in the morning for me to enjoy when we're off of daylight savings. Because, you know, we're going to spring forward oh. and it's going to get dark earlier again. Right. You need it like another month to where it's like yes. bright in the morning. Five thirty in the morning. I can go mountain biking. <laughs> Nathan, join me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll meet you uh, uh, later. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the nice hot, those hundred degree summer days where it starts to get cool in Laguna Canyon. I go ride until like almost eight. That's where you send me a text talk <laughs> to go riding, and I take like fifteen minutes trying to psych myself up to say yes. <laughs> right, because it's, it's early to me. Right, and then you're like, "How about half an hour later?" And I'm like, oh, "He conceded something. I have to say yes now." <laughs> I know exactly. Nice. <laughs> but, but I that, have. Sorry, but the sale. I think what's different about our sale. One of the things that's different about our sale this year. There's. A lot of stuff's going to be pleasantly the same, like smoked barbecue being back and cake and lots of fun beverages sponsored by Tustin Brewing Company nice. and stuff, lots of stuff on sale. But we're having our giant demo fair the weekend before, so you can try and then buy. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's awesome because, yeah, the weekend before, March 24th, we're going to have our are giant as in like lots of lots of different manufacturers there, not giant. I Pretty much everyone we there. sell. We're, so Ian and I were talking today. Um, Maybe we should call it the very large demo. Or the great very big large demo. Great big. The great, great big, big demo fair. Huge. Fantastic. Large. 200 demo bikes. We're, we're thinking we're going to have a little bit over 200 demo bikes there. Oh, my god. That's gosh. very large. That is the great big. <laughs> That's great and big. It's a significant amount of bicycles to try. Substantial. Significant yeah. demo fare. 
So if you want to try 200 bikes, oh my goodness, you could come to our demo fair. Woo! So is this, which location is this? this Path of? Live Oak. Live Oak. What's the date again? You have that written down right there? I'd March 24th. So that would be, that would be a Sunday. We're going to do this one a little different where you sign up as you come in, sign a bunch of waivers, and get a wristband. Oh, nice. And we're going to do a barbecue. And That's rad. And we're going to have music. And it's going to be a party and a... Yeah. And we're going to try to create a festival-type experience. Yeah. Awesome. So what are, the, what are the hours of said demo fair? I want to say 9 to 3. Yeah, that should be fun. Nice. Man. So um, our... We'll... Where, which, um, don't worry about the uh, trail closures and what have you. Uh, you know, you've probably seen some of some videos online from the Orange County Parks and what have you. Uh, O'Neill Regional Park got closed for a while because uh, Tribuco Creek was really flowing. And um, but Live Oak is back. Nice. We think the parks will be ready. I mean, uh, if they're not, then then we're going to do the right thing and not run a bunch of people through closed trails or trails that aren't ready for it. But we think the parks will be ready. Uh, if they're not, then we'll go from there. We'll probably have to do a, a, um, a delay of the event. Yeah. Really quick, you get to demo one bike at the fair. What do you guys pick? What's, what's, your, what's your pick? You get one demo. <laughs> Which one do you want to try? That's a weird question for me because I've ridden most of them. Okay, but yeah, question still applies because I know you've ridden. But which one? Which so? Which one would you want to demo? So there's going to be a bike at the demo fair that I want to try that I can't talk about yet. Ah, okay, fair enough. Oh my goodness, that's worth going to the demo fair just for that. Ak, how about you? Mm, man, you go first. Uh, Pivot four two nine trail, the new one. I think it's pronounced Trail four two nine. They put the trail in front of the 429 this time Ah, fair enough The new one The trail 429 Trail 429 Pivot trail 429 Um, Yeah, I think you'd be pretty stoked on that bike Uh, I'll tell you, bikes in our demo fleet that I haven't tried yet That I have I kind of always have a list of bikes in our demo fleet to try Is Kona going to be out there? Yes Hmm. So bikes, bike bikes that are on my list that are currently in our demo fleet, which will be there, along with probably those same demo bikes from our vendors, are I want to try the Blur Trail from Santa Cruz, and that's the that's the Blur frame like twenty four pound thirty four step cast one ten yeah dropper post sweet. Um, I want to try the Big Bird, yeah. okay, the Firebird twenty nine from yeah. Pivot. Nice. And I want to try the Bronson. I still haven't ridden a new Bronson, the current Bronson somehow. Not like really. Not like set it up for me and like demoed it for like a couple like real rides on real trails. Yeah. So those are bikes I want to demo. Ak, how about you? Mm. I was going to spit out the the Bronson, but that sounded too like. No, you can like a Bronson. Yeah. Basic. I think I would like it. I think I would like it too. I just suspect that for no, me, it looks for good. That style of bike, I'm a nomad rider. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a mini nomad. It's rad. It looks good. I like that, that like matte baby bluish color they did. When do you think this show will launch? That's a question for Ben. Typically, it takes us takes him probably sometime on the weekend, maybe Monday at the latest. Man, I could almost talk about the new bike that I can't talk about yet. I can tell Ben to hold it. 
It's all right. We'll just, when just, does it, when does it just launch? Just leave a teaser out there mm. that, that one of our main brands is going to launch a really exciting new bike that a lot of people have probably already been thinking about. And I can tell Ben to for sure embargo the episode. It has a 76-degree seat angle. <sighs> oh, you want to embargo the episode till this comes well, out? Yeah, let's when, do it. Wait, okay. When's, okay, when's yeah, the date? Let's embargo when's the release date? I don't date? have Monday? the exact date, but I think it's pretty soon here. Like, it, like in the next week or two. We just released... He yeah. was a little behind releasing the Maxwell episode, so yeah, I'll, I'll tell Ben to embargo it. Ben, this is... Well... You'll get the email ahead of time. Anyway, okay, embargo, we're, we're giving you... We're not give it to you till the official... It feels I love the dirty. fact that we're talking about this yeah. on the show. Okay, then... fire it up. Fire away. We're doing it. We're doing okay. it. Okay. Um, Santa Cruz Mega Tower. Oh, what? Colors are black on black or forest service green. <sighs> Seat angle is 76 degrees. It's a 29 Nomad. It's a, it's a 160 rear, 160 front, oh, low link. Tw- low link. It is. It, I mean, in <laughs> 76 degree seat angle, um, longest <laughs> reach we've ever seen on a Santa Cruz. I forget the specific numbers, but like a medium is somewhere around like 17.8 inches. Do you reach. Yeah. That? Can you convert that? Uh, <laughs> I can. Um, <clears throat> that's so hot. Just over 17 inch chain stays from what I remember. I've seen the geometry chart in pictures, but I don't have it. Man, the medium is going to be a 452. That's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. You got to get this date so we don't mess it up. But yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll just make sure it doesn't launch. Like, we won't give this to Ben till after the launch. Well, I'll, I'll give it to him, but he'll know, he'll know it's date. I mean, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know. Okay. Uh, no, we'll make Ben's him sign a non disclosure then. And okay, we'll hold it from Ben. Man, how are we going to talk about your lightning up project now? Um, we can. I mean, so Santa Cruz is not discontinuing the high tower as of now. It's a different bike. It's a longer bike. It's a low link bike. Um, it's wow. that true big hit twenty nine er enduro hard hitting enduro. Are they? They're gonna discontinue the LT though. Yeah. No, not no. as of now that I understand. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't really. I mean, it's, I mean, I can see that different. slowly twilighting. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know, right? But they yeah. might, I imagine they'll. They might sunset that at some point. We don't know. I feel like that bike would be more appropriately redesigned, but, but that position, you know, having, well, that high tower, I, I could see them taking the high tower and high tower LT and blending them with a redesigned high tower that kind of fills that gap between the tall boy and this mega LT. Hmm. Your crystal ball is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Blend. Combine, redesign. Yeah, because you... Like a one... Like, you basically need a low-link... My prediction, I have no idea, is a low-link 140 bike that blends the both. With so, respect with, like, a 140, 165. Back to the Mega Tower to double truss on the rear triangle. Um, so more like... More of the look of the Bronson oh, than the Nomad on right. the rear triangle. Okay. Um, takes coil or air. Can, ships both ways, like a la Nomad. Um, and yeah, I want to say 44 offset on the fork. Yeah. That's the Fox offset. Well, it depends on the brand. It's 42 for RockShox, 44 for Fox Fox. 44. Um, it is going to be available with access XX one for $10,300. Ka-ching. That's, I, I never thought I'd say this, but that's not bad. 
That's so, carbon wheels access the whole nine. So the whole cons this for the our ordering on this was really interesting because it was like who buys who's buying these bikes and are they going to pay an extra couple of thousand it, once they're at the XX1 or the XO1 reserve level where they're at about 8 grand are they going to pay an extra 2 grand to go all the way and get XX1 wireless everything with the wireless reverb and i feel like this is a pretty compelling story where a lot of people are is my theory i ordered with the assumption that some people are going to really want a ten thousand dollar one well i mean that's everything you know there's been some ten thousand dollar bikes out there that are a little lacking like this is spared no expense <clears throat> there was some spirited debate about this in the shop today about because historically our best selling price points more that seven to eight thousand dollar price point for these high-end type bikes right? where it's like everything you need, kind of nothing you don't, everything you really want, nothing you could really miss that much. Yeah. Um, Where's the room for shred signal? <laughs> yeah. There is none for that. E-wings on cranks? Well, blinging is not always the same as shred signaling. Oh. Like you could, you could put some aluminum cranks on there as a shred signal. <laughs> you could just... Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm putting aluminum right. cranks on this thing. People yeah. would be like, why? I just, I just feel like that's what I need. <laughs> when you ride pedals. like I do, man, you'd know. Yeah. Plastic pedals, of course. <laughs> nice. That's rad. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to I'm seeing that. I'm pretty excited. I think, I, I think I'd like to ride that bike and demo it. So, yeah, that's yeah. a bike I want to demo. I think that's a cool... I think just in general, my style right now has been into the more sprightly, shreddy bikes. So, like, I am still really like my Smuggler and bikes of that ilk. And so that's why I think the Trail 429, I said it right this time, um, is kind of my jam du jour. Well, in that Trail 429, my experience with it is it's super well-behaved and predictable. Yeah. Um, it's very balanced. It manuals well for its style of bike. Like, the front end comes up nicely. Yeah. The... The suspension to me is on the supportive side of the DW tuning range, but not necessarily for a pivot. Okay. Um, Can you take it off some sweet jumps? I think you could. I mean, I don't know about pegs. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing I well like the smuggler. The thing that kicks it over for me even more so because I had the first generation Scout. Is the smuggler hits jumps at Santa's Village. Um, as comfortably as any bike I've hit jumps on. So I, I don't feel like there's any sketchiness when I get airborne on the smuggler. So I have an interesting perspective on that. Sanjay and, um, Sanjay and some other people and myself went up to Santa's Village for the giant demo dealer yeah, demo yeah. launch. I remember that. That and was when they released the Trance 29. Yeah. So I rode the Trance 29, the Rain SX, and the Trans ESX Pro, yeah, there all that day, and all those bikes felt really great on those jumps. Maybe everything feels good on those jumps. Those jumps are made to feel good. Is kind of my point. Ah, you make a good point. Interesting, but at the same point in time, like it still has to be cape. I mean, you're still flying through. Yeah, you're still probably like there's probably some like thirty foot across, eight feet in the air situations where if the bike is sketchy. It's not going to feel good. Yeah. And for a bike that 
for a bike as kind of trail worthy as a smuggler or a Trans Twenty Nine, yeah, it is impressive that they're not sketchy in that situation, even if the jumps are kind of reassuring. Yeah, I, I think so. I I would agree with that. Okay, where where did we leave off? I lost track. Man, that's demo fair. So <clears throat> yeah. Oh shit, we're we still shocked. We, we so accidentally that, segued into like a giant product launch release information right in the middle of demo fair talk. Oh my gosh, because I have a big mouth, and, and we, we just embargoed the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the demo fair is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be super <laughs> awesome. Yes. Was there any other shop news we want to like just put a bow on? The path well. to modern mountain biking. Oh yeah, the clinic. We're not clinic. even halfway clinic into series. News. The uh, yeah, so. hang in there, folks. <laughs> As you you know, but hopefully we can keep shop news um, entertaining and, and informative as much as the rest of the show. I hope because sometimes we drag it on, but if we really just stuck to the point and banged it out, we could get it. All the information that we're sharing, we could get it done. If we were disciplined about it, we could get it done fast. <laughs> but we go out on tangents which we hope are entertaining and informative, like the fact that the new Mega Tower is coming out. <laughs> I don't know. Not, not a small piece of information. Maybe people might want to hear that. Very large. I think it qualifies as shop news, now that I think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it does. That's for sure. It's news all around the shop. This mm. is actually kind of cool because... Mega Tower. I think we're, we're just kind of talking about this. What do we actually talk about when we aren't recording? And I feel like just launching into it today, because... Because we have some not so serious looking for Jeep errands to run <laughs> later on. But casual, this is, casual. <laughs> casual. And this is kind of why we just kind of launched into it before we talked about some of this stuff before the show. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe why Shop News is dragging on a little long. Not dragging, but it's, it is revealing. So, anyways, Path to the Modern Mountain Biking uh, is going to start uh, Tuesday, March 12th, and it's going to be a three uh, part series, right? Correct. So every Tuesday night at the Tustin shop for three weeks, starting on Tuesday, March 12th, um, come by, and it's we're going to talk about the path to mount, modern mountain biking. But what is, exactly does that mean? Think fundamentals. So, And I like to think about how fundamentals are good for beginners, and they're good for experts, and they're good for people who might have might be so... You know, like even that 10,000-hour person or that 4,000-hour person can benefit from revisiting fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think any of you listeners that are core riders, like you got buddies at work that think about getting a rider, brother-in-law, cousins, whatever, people you know, like let them know about this. Like this might be an easy way for them to um, jump back into it or, you know, get introduced to it. Um, the idea is that you'll gain confidence on equipment, riding, etiquette, Trails, community, yeah, the the essence of the information that you need to ride with confidence and safety and comfort, and feel like you're um, with with in the community standards and all of that. No, this sounds yeah. pretty awesome. So, um, what time should we or who should we contact? Val at the pathbikeshop dot com. So contact Val at the pathbikeshop dot com. V A L V A L. And what time and how long is this going to run? I don't have the schedule in front of me, Ock. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably going to be in the evening, of course. Uh, um, but uh, shoot, shoot Val an email. Yeah. We'll get the details on that. Uh, what are some of the things that we should expect to be covered in the, in the three-week? Um, everything from um, 
you know, gear to carry, hat, um, riding techniques, trail etiquette. Yeah, this should be really cool. I think I'm going to register for it. In my casual research into this Jeep world, I can appreciate how intimidating an environment can be. So I think something like this would be really helpful for people trying to get into bikes. Because it can be intimidating. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Yeah. I think even sometimes walking into a shop can be intimidating. It can be because there's like a, there's a whole level of language and understanding that the people who are like the core, you know, core people that, that work there and shop there that they're they're almost speaking a different language. And but that's you know that's true in anything. That's true in a surf shop. It's true in an off road shop, a motorcycle shop, a rock climbing shop. Like it's just one of those things. But the nice thing with a shop like the Path is you know they're building a structure for you to come in and learn versus well, just like you know, come and get ignored. And I want to address that a little more because it's, it's an important topic for us. We know that the baseline experience is for someone who f- doesn't feel initiated into the community is intimidating. And we understand that and we can relate to that. And we, and, and that can be even true for um, a pretty serious rider who just maybe doesn't know our shop. Or it could be true for for a beginner, or or anyone for whoever reason feels like they may be treated as the other by us, mm. which could be any group of people. So right. we're acutely aware of that, and we take a lot of steps to make sure that we're doing everything we can to move past that and be. And welcome everyone with open arms and be a comfortable, safe environment for everyone to access the experience that we want to share. Yeah. It's a tough thing for any specialty, specialty hobby, sport world. I, mean, I think every, every specialty niche has its challenges there. This is one of those things where I'm always going to sound like a PR person because the reality of the situation is we know we fail at this. Right. Well, in not knowing, it's but it's also... I think there's a balance too because as like a high-end customer, I want to come into the shop and sh- you know shoot the breeze with the mechanics about really high-end stuff and we'll sit there talking and just us enjoying each other's conversation can inherently maybe someone walk in could get intimidated completely unknowingly. It's, so, it's just a tough thing. So I think you just brought up an, e- an even complicating factor which is we refuse to give up our core element, our passion, our edge, our core mountain bike nature which makes it even more difficult to accomplish that mission. So, and, and we know that sometimes we fail at that mission and we're, we try to continue to be really reflective about that. Yeah. And, that we, and we think that by doing that, we continue to make ourselves a more and more approachable business without giving up our authenticity and our passion for riding and the fact that we really are at our hearts, we're a core mountain bike shop. Right. But have no problem switching gears, the conversation. Feel well, free I to think interject. as a core mountain bike shop, the, the goal is to make that experience accessible to as many people as possible. Because yeah. the reason we're a core mountain bike shop is because we believe in that experience. We know that's a good experience. We believe in that community. We know that that's a valuable community to be part of. 
Can I just say that I was I was that boy. <laughs> well, you were that guy. Maxwell was that guy. And in a lot of ways, when I started the shop, I was that guy. Hmm. Like, I, I was not an industry insider or even a community insider. Like, I had been... I had kind of um, been to the community, but I it was a visit. Like, I wasn't in the community. Because <laughs> it, didn't it actually start out as the Path Bike Club? In it, You could sort of say. That, I think that um, that's not exactly true, but we had a club, mm-hmm. and the, we were definitely um, not a normal. We were even less of a normal retail operation than, than we are now. We had limited hours and we had appointments and we had this, the club included a lot of special privileges for club members who kind of paid an annual due and invested in the shop. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, man, I, if I, I'm maybe we've already talked about this on the shop, but I feel like on the show, I feel like we, I've said this before, but man, from the very get go, I think when I bought my first Knight Rider bike light from you guys way back when, um, that was one of the things that I did notice was the shop made an effort to make uh, an obvious, uh, not insider, um, feel welcome at, at the shop. You know, I want to credit the hospitality industry. Like I come from the food service industry before the bike industry and I, in the food for service industry, there's no room to not make everyone feel welcome. Mm. For sure. Yeah. And I, and well, and you did work in that industry, like you said, for a long time, yeah. So, I, I think you guys continue to do a good job. So keep, keep. oh shucks, oh shucks, <laughs> I love you, man. So that's the uh, path to modern mountain biking. Uh, and then lastly, Skills Clinic is coming up. That's a uh, non dot uh, adventures. Then this one's going to be kind of more on the intermediate advanced side of things. Yeah, and well, it's May tenth, right? Yes, March tenth. So, March March tenth. So it's probably going to be done by the time yeah. this podcast launches, and, and if unfortunately, so, probably, probably canceled, canceled by then. Correct. So maybe you get a chance to go because it'll be rescheduled. Maybe oh, nice. Yeah, we've got we've had so much rain this season; it's been nuts. That's Correct. actually, if it does get rescheduled, that's like a great plug. Like, oh, you could do this. Oh, you can't do this. Well, maybe you could. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Man, and yeah, so are you going to be at the advanced clinic? Uncertain. Uncertain. I think you should go. I think I should, too. Yeah. I mean, not just. I know I should. <laughs> I know Unfortunately, I should. sometimes there's more than one should. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. So. I should also go shred my dirt bike that day. <laughs> hey, this is Ben Wellack again, jumping in here to say thank you to Mountain Biking Park City. You should head over to mountainbikingparkcity.com because Park City, Utah has been a gold level ride center since 2012. And there's only five other locations around the globe that share this title. So it's a big deal. How did they become that? They have 450 miles of diverse riding options from paved commuting paths for family friendly riding to aggressive cross country rides like the epic Wasatch Crest Trail. And the options really are endless. This, combined with the scenery, all the bars and restaurants, world-class accommodations, free public transit, and a ton of entertainment options, you have to check out Park City. That's why it was awarded gold. 
So experience in Park City, Utah has never been easier. Head over to the website and uh, arrange your stay, rent a bike, book a guide. It's mountainbikingparkcity.com. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> Less yapping, more I've rapping. I've been really liking my KTM Dual Sport lately. Do you have the 500 or the four? 450 EXE. You have a 450. It's oh. the 2017. Is the 450 plated now? Yeah. Well, the EXE version of it is. But there isn't. Okay, for, for a while so they So the 450 didn't... EXE six days, it's like a plate. It's a short stroke of the 500. It's pretty much the same thing as the 500. But is it the six days edition only that's plated in the 450? Possibly. Ah. I have good customers who like to pawn off their um, toys <laughs> on me after the... The nice. luster is no longer up to their standards. Sweet. <laughs> and that, you know, they come I, to me really clean still, and then I immediately, yeah. like, get just, you know, it's just, like, brush marks everywhere. <laughs> I hear, I you know, I haven't, I ashamedly haven't been following our cousin show, but I hear Andrea got a dirt bike. Oh, man, I'd love to go dirt biking with Andrea. I'd meet her somewhere. <laughs> Maybe bring someone else too, so it's just not the two of us. Be weird, <laughs> since I don't know you. A chaperone, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I think she got a like a CRF two fifty X. Maybe nice. I think I saw it on Instagram or something. CRF two fifty X. So that's like a that's like a track style dirt bike, right? No, the CRF two fifty X. That's been their trail bikes. Oh right, like okay. 05. I've ridden one of those. Those are sweet. They have titanium cams, I think. Uh, they valves. They've titanium had valves. titanium valves. It's a uni. It's a unicam head with rockers. Um, those ride good. That, those are capable. Yeah, yeah. It's a legit. It's it's a proper dirt bike for yeah. sure. It's not one. It's not like the two thirty. That's a frumpy subpar bike. It's it's a proper aluminum frame, aluminum perimeter frame. Um, yeah. The it's it's basically the same bike that they're racing in. Ba- they are still racing the four fifty X in Baja. Or maybe they're not racing, but they've been racing the 450X in Baja, and the 250X is basically the same bike with a smaller motor. I will say I, I've had a a couple of different KTM's along these lines, and this one is feels so much more light and flippable and responsive than I, any of them. That I I've was had. I was having that conversation recently because I have right now I have a 2003 KTM. Um, they I had an 08 generation, and I've thrown a leg over the latest generation, and yeah, they. They for sure, as their progression, have gotten just lighter and lighter and lighter, and particularly this later gener, this last generation of KTM's, they're amazingly light. And, and the responsiveness of the fuel injection is amazing. Yeah, for sure. I still ride an old carbureted bike, and it it's still fun. I mean, like I I'm not racing dirt bikes like I once was, so I'm you know I just need something that gets it done and I can have fun on. But man, when I throw my a leg over my friend's because he has the 350, which is smaller and lighter. It's amazing. It's just, that thing's a little mountain goat. It's awesome. Cool. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> the reason we like dirt bikes, I think I was talking to Brendan once, and we were talking about like the shape of bikes and stuff. He's like, all mountain bikers wish they were on dirt bikes. That's why they're starting to look like dirt bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't entirely disagree. I think for those of us whose ride fantasy isn't very, like, shaved and heart rate monitored and wattage oriented. And for those of us who are not super far down the like hipster adventure scale, probably there's some dirt bike inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. 
I have a theory that there's a high percentage of boys that come out of the womb like knowing what a dirt bike looks like and sounds like and wants one from the beginning. I think all boys like trucks and dirt bikes. Most many boys, gener- many boys. Generalizations are often um, <laughs> generalizations are always um, disempowering for the person making them and others, especially in our modern <laughs> times. <laughs> all I can say is this: as a kid, I think I had an innate draw to dirt bikes, and it wasn't like a. It was like I want that. What I think that? at least one or two of my daughters is more drawn to that kind of thing than my son is. Fair enough, and. I, I, I will say I was. <laughs> I was quite drawn to it, magnetically so. Yeah, me too. And and it wasn't like my parents didn't get... It was like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, if anything, I think it's because my parents were kind of like intellectual and creatives types, which I try to be also, but I think they kind of mocked certain behavior, which like made, it, made me want it. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Speaking of lighter and more flippable, flickable. Oh yeah. So if I I was goofing around this weekend, posted a few things on Instagram. Um, so I was playing with my smuggler this weekend, and I um, I was swapping around some parts that I had in my garage. So I had some SLX cranks, and I had like an SLX XT drivetrain. Pulled that off, put on some first gen next SL cranks, um, and. Uh, older XX1 shifter derailleur and X01 cassette. 11 speed. 11 speed, yeah. And I I put the weights on my Instagram post, but like it was dropping a lot of weight. It was something like... Um, and then the last thing, which I didn't post, is I swapped the tires. I went from 2.3 Minion EXOs to 2.35 Schwalbe Knobby Nicks. And but those two, I weighed them together, but I dropped three quarters of a pound changing those tires, which are the same trim. They're both trail casings. Um, they're both um, about 2.3. The Schwalbe's are actually a touch bigger, both relatively aggressive tread pattern. And the pair of the Schwalbe's are three quarters of a pound lighter than the Maxis. So I, I guess my suggestion is if you're ever looking to lose weight and maybe not lose too much functionality, consider looking into the Schwalbe lineup because Maxxis... Have I, you ridden those tires yet? No. Well, I have on other bikes, but yeah. So you've ridden that knobby nick on the front? Uh, it's been a while. I think I'd have, yeah. I bet you're going to take it off. Fair enough. <laughs> I think it's good for the rear, and I think it's good for the front for... But nor- you don't like a Magic Mary, and I like a Magic Mary. I agreed, but I'll also... I don't think that that bears on this conversation. Fair. Enough. I think that's a matter of taste, and this is a matter of capabilities. That I I will once the trails dry out, I will report back. So I my theory is that that knobby nick that probably weighs what seven eighty or eight hundred grams or something on the front seven exactly. Um, my theory is that it's going to feel great for norm for for normal riding. Yeah, and you're occasionally going to get into some situations where you're like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, that might be fair. I mean, I was running a 2.3 DHR, and it was not the 3C compound. It was like, for some reason, I found my way into this set of tires, but it's like the hard compound. Mm. I will say this is not going to be that 
probably much of a step off of the, of what you just described. Yeah, yeah. I'm not coming off of like a three C two five minion DHF. Well, okay. I think compared to a three C two three minion DHF, which is still a nine hundred gram tire, so it's Correct. still really heavy. Yeah. Compared to what you've got, I think compared to that, the like the predictability. Oh, okay. And control hmm. is is to me I've, worth the two hundred grams, but I'm not. I'm also caveat. I'm not super picky on tires. I'm not as sensitive as some are to tires. Right. Um, but if you are sensitive to anything, it's to them being too XC. Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, that's what I've seen you run from in the past is too light. Valid. <laughs> Valid. But on the weight savings, on the uh, changing the cranks. So I had XT trail pedals, SLX cranks. And I changed to Nex SL cranks, which I had some first gens lying around with XTR pedals, and I saved 329 grams or three quarters of a pound on the crank set. And then on the rear cassette derailleur and shifter, I saved another 242 grams, so that was another 0.53 pounds. And then on the tires, I saved three quarters of a pound, so that's 3.5 pounds off the bike. And right now, my my smuggler weighs. 28.8 pounds Is with pedal right? and bottle cage. Uh, and that's so, with XR391s on it. 391 rims. rims. Those aren't too heavy, though. Those mm. are relatively light. They're not like the 471s. They're, oh, okay. pretty, they're pretty thin-walled. They're 25 internal. They're nothing special. Um, Double-butted. Du- uh, Double-butted spokes, three DT350 hubs, 32 spokes. Okay. Okay. It's going to make a difference. It's going to climb a lot better, and it's going to be more flippable in the air. Yeah, but I mean, between those two, that was three quarters pound, three quarters pound, three and a half. Yeah, I pulled three and a half pounds off the bike, just swapping, you know, not crazy stuff. And someone on Instagram was like, well, what's the price difference? Like, honestly, I don't really know because, like, I've had these cranks for probably five years. I had this cassette stuff probably I bought like four or five years ago. The cassette is probably worn close to the point of being done. But I'm gonna run it and see how it goes and just kill it. And, yeah, uh, and and it's kind of a commentary on. Okay, it's true. Like a a next SL set of cranks is gonna it's spendy. Yeah, but if you can move it for five years across right as many bikes as as you've had, and, and the way they yeah, did, but like. George Soros and Nancy Pelosi are going to make your cranks incompatible later. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the nice thing about the race face cinch system, and this was the first crank that they came out with the cinch. So this was the very beginning of the cinch system. They actually had pretty good foresight because they can change the dish of the chain ring. And so now I have cranks that I bought a long time ago, but are boost compatible. I just change a chain ring. And, um, the other nice thing that I find really nice is the first generation next SL cranks. The tightening ring is machined aluminum and not plastic. I really like that. Okay, so you brought it up and we have to talk about it now. I think Raceface has changed their chain line story. Oh. So in the past Well, I have a wolf tooth chain ring, so it's outside of the race face. So as far as your assumptions with your cranks, I think you're right on. They're, they already were more or less boost compatible, and with what your ring you're running is probably even more boost compatible, so to speak. Right. Um, I believe Raceface has new next SL. 
they're they're not Star called Trek. SXL. They're called it's next something. Oh, right, the else. next R's now. Next R's, yeah. R. Because I was looking at a whole different tra- chain line story. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Just a side note, because yeah. we've talked about it on previous shows and. Yeah. Tonight, so wanted to make not let anyone get misled. So just do your show. chain chain line homework. Don't take what I'm with my five year old next to sell cranks. Um, there's so, yeah. some good articles out there on chain line. Yeah, on the Wolf Wolf website. Not that we necessarily endorse product or whatever, but they make good stuff. They do make good stuff. And Wolf Wolf. And uh, they have some pretty good tech articles on Chainline and what have you. That's yeah. kind of a good resource. I really up. love their dropper lever to the point where I think I've slowly gotten a, their dropper lever on every one of my bikes, and I love it. Ball bearing driven. Yeah. Nice little neurals on thing. the thumb contact space. Mm-hmm. Yep. Smooth and sweet. Yep. Cool look. I we really saw a lot of them. We saw them with a lot of different drop. Like our the, our... We saw a lot of them with, sorry, Nathan, with one-up drummer posts. <laughs> no, that's fine. I have no problem with one-up drummer It's cool. No, so here's, here was my, actually, here's, here's actually my, my challenge on the one-up dropper, and I'm curious if you guys have seen this, since we're just devoted for a quick second, is the, here's what I think the issue that I was having, is the 30.9 is relatively thin, right? But the whole concept of the one-up is that you can trim it and fully hilt it. But on the 30.9, when you fully hilt it, you're then clamping on a thinned area of the post, which is where the bushing nests. Mm. It's particularly thin right up against the collar on the 30.9. So if you adjust it, fully hilt it, tighten the collar to any appreciable amount, then it starts to bind. Mm. And so what I found is I took the 30.9... Shorten the travel by 25 millimeters, forced it above the collar, and then everything's fine. So what I think it is, is it's a seat post that's kind of inherently designed to be fully hilted. But on the one that I have, on the 30.9, I can't do that because I think the design, the internals and where the bushing sits, it's thin in that area and you just can't clamp it. So I may, maybe it's just me, but that's that's part of the part of the issue as well. And it, that may not be true on the 318. Hmm. I don't think it's true on every 30.9. I mean, we've had 30.9s fully hilted and working, but yeah. And it, again, it could just be a tolerancing issue or something like that. But I think that's, um, that I think that's true on a lot. Of, that's not just them. That's a lot of 30.9s. If you fully hilt them and you're getting close to where the bushing sits, the post is very thin hmm. in that area. Makes sense. So that that's my theory. I, again, post is working fine. Um, you very want little that plan. thing fully hilted, though. I mean, that's the idea. The bike will allow it if I take the spacer out, which is a shame to give up 25 millimeters. You I can, can also sh- cut that spacer. I mean, this is still a compromise, but you could cut it and maybe just have it 10 millimeters up. I, I can try it. Uh, basically, the spacer, I think, is built to do 50 millimeters, and I did cut it to 25 to start just to get the collar away right. from where I thought the thin area was. But, yeah, I could just experiment and keep trimming down until I find the limit and then take another one and then trim it to the appropriate length. But I basically have a sacrificial experimental hmm. shim. Or get or resolve it other way. I mean, I think with enough follow-up, you could probably get it all working all the way in. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
but no, I don't. I don't have a fundamental problem with them. I'm excited. The next one I want to try is the bike yoke one. I, I think those are. I mean, I think that's like German engineering, like pretty nice. Just talk to Blair about that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but we ordered a couple and didn't order anymore. Uh, interesting. I I have a I have a coworker who's gone through. I, I think he has two of them, and he's pretty critical but granted sample size of two and he really likes his but again wolf tooth wolf tooth lever though is going on anything i put on like i love that thing me too treat yourself get a wolf tooth <laughs> dropper lever says me i'd agree um so anyway i guess my the point of the weight savings exercise is there's a lot of little places you can save weight i was curious where the i was trying to weigh things as i went Basically, I was kind of digging through my garage trying to find the lightest parts that I could just re- reassign. And, um, you know, like our ex, how much are you giving up for these areas? And it's, you know, it's quite a bit. Three quarters of a pound here, half pound there. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that I've noted before is if if range is not your high priority and weight is your top priority, you can still run that 11-speed XL1 or XX1 cassette, and that cassette is still amazingly light. I think it's still 100 grams lighter than an equivalent Eagle cassette. And if you wanted to run some really steep stuff on your smuggler, you can drop down to a 28 or a 26. Yeah, you can. And, and also, um, Wolf Tooth, for the original the 11-speed 11, 11 stuff, they make an expander cog, which I have, which I'm going to put on this cassette. They make a 46. Mm-hmm. It's a big jump, but they make one. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll try that, and I'm sure the shifting won't be, yeah. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that cassette's pretty worn anyway, so I'll just give it a try, and again, just run it into the ground and see how it goes. Man, 28, 28, just under 29. It's 28.85 according to my scale. So yeah, it's just under 29. But that's with a bottle cage, with a Garmin mount, and pedals on, and I run four ounces of stands per tire. Per tire, which is more than most. I, but I like four ounces. Mm. Most people run two, right. three tops. I run, I run four. Oh, and um, for a while I was running Trucker Co. Sealant. Um, I have completely stopped using that because it. Uh, two or three times now I've had to clean it out of the tires mm. and it really coats the tires. And it's a long peeling tire finger rolling. It really sticks, builds up in the tire. Like a, a couple of times I've removed, like I'm not kidding, 200 grams of s- dry sealant buildup inside the tire Whoa. from trucker co. Cause I was burning through that stuff quite a bit for a while, but then, and that's why, but it builds up. It's because it's building up. Yeah, so I've um, I've experimented a little bit with the slime stuff, but I saw some puncture tests that said that stuff really didn't do well. It's mm-hmm. worked okay. It's a little goopy and nasty. I've gone back to just good original stands. Mm. It's weird. The path keeps trying different sealant and going back to stands. Do Do you know the exact difference between the race stands and the normal stands? The race like the stands tra- is thicker and clogs more. It needs to be replaced more often. Okay, hmm. that makes so. If you're going to race and you put it in that weekend, and it'll clog maximum, bigger holes, maximum protection. But you're probably going to need to refill it in a month or check it in a month, and it'll probably clog your valves valves even worse. Got it. Interesting. I I do buy valve cores in bulk now. I have like 
a bag of 15 or 20 because I clog valves so often. I get tired of like overpressurizing my pump trying to, I'm like, why do I not have these on hand? They're cheap. Treat yourself. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So speaking of um, maybe experiments and revisiting and what have you. Oh, yeah. We did have a listener asking. They wanted to follow up on, on this as well. Yeah. Well, I moved off of the Vanquish after I, you know, hit the mental reset button, and but I'm back. Ah. You're on the Vanquish? I'm on the Vanquish again. So you rebuilt it? I did. I <coughs> rebuilt the Vanquish. Um, man, what did I say? It's like a 24 and a quarter or something like that. Do you have a medium? I have a medium. Okay. Um, it's, so it's like blur light, blur weight. Yeah, I guess it's, so. That, that frame compared to like a race XC frame, I think is like <coughs> almost three quarters of a pound on the heavy side. Yeah. Yeah. Compared That's to what, a full suspension race XC frame. No, no, no. Hardtail race XC frame. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like, it's like three and three quarter pounds, I think for the frame. I'm gonna and get, like a fast racy frame is like 2.9. I'm going to get it under 24 by putting a knobby nick on the front. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I do it. I do have a DHF on the front, three C DHF on the Sounds front. Sounds like you want post. another fla- yellow flash. <laughs> I, yeah, I know exactly. I, I don't know. Well, anyways, so I, I the other light but voluminous tires that I was curious is, is something in the Bontrager line, like an XR three. Uh, I have that on the rear. Okay, I like to I, say Bontrager. 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 It's important. Important. Have you noticed people suddenly stop saying important or important and they say important? Well, what about the frustrated? Uh, frustrated. frustrated? I think that's different because uneducated people say frustrated. No offense to people who say frustrated, but educated people say important. Important. Like these are uh, college, like people. These are important. people so, from the world of academia. Do you and say across or across? Across. Okay, so across is one of those back to. Look, people who say important aren't saying across. So in all fairness, well, not in all fairness. Here's my defense. I say frustrated. Some I say probably frustrated sometimes, but my ear is not super attuned to these small differences. Like I, I don't pick up on other people. I like to say frustrated and those sorts of things because I enjoy the, the wrongness of it. What's the nuclear, nucle- nuclear, nuclear, nuclear? <laughs> I, I can't even hear nuclear. the difference. Nuclear? Is it nuclear versus think nuclear? Nu- think nucleus versus nucleus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'd say... Wait, see, I, can you say that, that again work. slowly? Because <laughs> I didn't ear, hear it's a difference. Phonetic, Ock. <laughs> it's phonetic. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> My ears is not nu- tuned nu- into this. Nu- no. <laughs> it's not a nucleus. Nuclear. Is that wrong? Nuclear. <laughs> I can't even hear it. This is good. I, I know how to spell it. It's N U C L E A R. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you for demonstrating that. <laughs> right? Yes, I'm pretty sure. It's yeah. not. I don't I probably couldn't spell it even after you did. <laughs> but I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable? I don't know. I I don't um, I don't hear. Some people really hear it. I I remember I saw um, I think it was a Margaret Tro stand-up, and she was making fun of like George W., who said like nuclear versus nuclear. I was like, "Wait, one more time! I can't like." <laughs> I need to. What's a joke? That. I was like, "Ah, that's funny." I don't know either. 
<laughs> well, my Vankish. <laughs> <laughs> Pronounced phonetic. <laughs> Pronounced phonetic. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> I think we're gonna get it under twenty four pounds. <laughs> All right. So what 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 is what is your intent for said vanquish? What what is your, what is your uh, goal for this? Well, I'm not totally sure that uh, <laughs> if I can get used to writing a hard tale again, man. And I say this every time I do it. I know. Oh gosh, and I'm I'll gonna... be there in a year or two. <laughs> <I know. laughs> So I'm going to go get another beer while you guys talk hardtails. Hopefully you're done when I get back. (laughs) probably will. I was going to say, I'm not totally sure that it's going to be much different than the tall boy. Oh, okay. If I could get used to the timing and the... Yeah. But, man, with that said, I'm going to be back on a 100 mil... Ninety mil full suspension. I've I've gone through like four hardtails in the last ten years, and I go through the same mental exercise every time, and then I end up like I don't really like it. (laughs) So my thought on this is, you know, I've been trying to get away from calling them gravel bikes, and I just like to call them multi-surface drop bar bikes. Right. Yep. And um, let's not call them hardtails. Let's just call them flat bar bikes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. You could take this on any surface. It's a bicycle. <laughs> it's a bicycle. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's really if it, I, it's a it's like a flat bar drop bar mountain road bike. Something like that. It kind of is. Yeah. But if I were to go ride it on say some 100k high altitude local race, your back and your butt would hurt. That's true. And I probably finished <laughs> slower than if I had ridden to my tall boy. <laughs> Dude, I, I joke, but I I'll go through the same mental hoop in a year. I'll be I'll be like, I bought this Scott Hardtail, it's really cool. Yeah. And then like three weeks later I'm like, I sold this Scott Hardtail, it really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with Scott Hardtail, it's a hardtail. You know why I and what actually flashed through my mind was the last time I rode with you and Blair at Sart. That Sart is a, is one of the few places that's like loamy and smooth enough that you can get away with hardtail. And that, I mean, I think it would help. We'll go do that in another three years. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe this spring, and then I can actually use it for a we'll, ride. We'll and try, then we'll try to get it struggle. Try to get it scheduled before we pull the ripcord on the bike. Exactly. Again. So Blair, uh, when you're, I know you're out there. So Blair, if you happen to listen to this. Um, Maybe we can schedule time to go ride Sart <laughs> again. And I promise I won't have you guys pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that. That's a, I think that the thing is right. in SoCal, we have a lot of hard pack trails and they get hard packed. And essentially it's the equivalent of like other parts of the country having rocky trails because our hard packs so hard packed. Um, but Sart's in the mountains. It's kind of loamy. But yeah, so I could see if you ride smooth, loamy trails. Yeah, hard tail's fine. It might actually be that one ride that I... Yeah. Makes sense for this. A, a coworker of mine who's from the UK, he was saying a lot of the UK guys run hardtails um, all winter long because it's so mucky and nasty that bikes just get to... So they're just trying to run something as simple as possible because of the elements. Mm, right. That's, you know, understandable. So we, we don't really have that here because we don't... It rains, we don't ride because it's clay-based. Right. And it's just like impossible to deal with. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Can I 
give a random shout out? Of course. Yeah. Because it just occurred to me. Charlie Gilmore from the Path Race Team is going to go race the Cape Epic. Oh, awesome. Oh. Very cool. Does and he have a partner? He has, yeah, he's going with some people he knows. Nice. I'm not sure if it's a team or a partner. I think it's a team. It's a, well, I thought the Cape Epic is a partnered format. Maybe it's just a partner. Yeah, yeah I think it, the whole concept is it is a partner. You guys got to do it and finish it. But I want to wish Charlie luck and tell him to tell him to make sure he enjoys the process and and uh, stay loose. Yeah. What bikes are you racing? I think he's going to ride his um, Spark RC. Nice. 900 SL Pro with some upgrades. Full suspension. <laughs> um, it, yeah. And and I think, you know, I was kind of giving him a little pep talk, and one of the things I said to him, I think, is just a good thing to always think about in kind of a lot of different aspects of life and riding, and it's that um, there are a lot of efficiencies to be gained by staying loose and not um, getting too too tense. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, Charlie, if you get this far into the podcast, and since we're doing shout-outs, this is why I said, hey, thanks for thanks for slow pedaling for me when I hooked up with you that one day in, in Laguna <laughs> Wilderness. Nice. <laughs> this is definitely... So wish you the best out there, Charlie. Yeah. On the Cape Epic. That's awesome. All right, so... Um, do we, We've had some listener suggestions, or do you guys have any other burning things to talk about or discuss? Can I toss one out? It's actually yeah. kind of listener... Yes, yeah. oriented as well. I have one other thing I want to throw out there too. If after Hawk, no, no, you go first, sir. No, no, I refuse. I <laughs> I'm going to drink until you go. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to. I'll drink. There I'll was a Portlandia it. episode about this. <laughs> no, you go. You go. No, you go. It was a stop sign. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was awesome. I would finish mine before you did, so I'll, I'll go. All right, all right. Um, David, uh, first big crash. Oh, okay. You know what? I should have gone. Ah, see, I told you. <laughs> You're so, All right, back to so smart, Ock. Okay. That, you, okay, so David's email is one that I really wanted to talk about because it's something I it's it's something that I enjoy philosophizing about. Yeah, um, nuclear. And but, David, I actually emailed this. I I, did, I, th- I emailed you back, and I nice. Yeah, but I think Tani and Nathan. Saw, saw my response as well, and uh, maybe yeah, may, uh, yeah. So, anyways, blank. but anyways, anyways I just you go first. real quick. You Giant bikes had me out to Austin, Texas, which was kind of cool. I got to eat a bunch of rad barbecue. Got to go to the Salt Lake barbecue, and I got to ride bikes in Austin, Texas, which is kind of cool. It's a little XZ for my taste overall, but like the people who own Walmart bought land out there and built trails and treated it like a park. That's, and maintain, that's what they're and doing. pay in, people to maintain them. That's what they're doing in Bentonville. This makes me very, like, down with Walmart. Whoa. Yeah, there's, like, a whole trail system in Bentonville because, like, some Walton grandkids like mountain biking. So they're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Just pretty amazing. It's awesome, yeah. But also, Austin's a pretty cool town, great culture, cool music scene. Even things. the TSA people were nice at Austin. Wow. It was weird. It was cool. Very community-oriented. It kind of reminded me of, like, um, Portland, but with cowboys and black people. <laughs> also. <laughs> nice. I like that. All right. Because Portland doesn't really have cowboys or black people to speak of. Ah. But, or just, like, it's much more, like, 
culturally and ethnically diverse than Portland, but it kind of has that weird community, yeah. art, food. Yeah. Portlandia City. should visit Austin. I, I almost... It's like have, Portlandia with a little <laughs> down-home twang and then, like, cultural diversity. At one point in my and career, ethnic. I was uh, talking to Yeti about potential job opportunities, so the thought of living in Austin was serious. I was seriously looking into it. I, oh, Yeti Coolers. Yeti Coolers, yeah. They're in Austin. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was thinking about it and asking about it, and I, I, I was intrigued. I mean, California born and raised. Actually, a bunch of my coworkers, um, I, I know a handful of people who did go to Yeti um, and really enjoyed Austin. And it's not just that there's more ethnic diversity, but it's that the, there's, 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 and I might be reading a lot into it, but I felt like a tone of brotherhood. Like it wasn't just that they were all, that we were all mm-hmm. there, it's that, that we weren't all splintered into our ethnic groups there. Yeah. Nice. I don't know. Would it would, were the trails good enough to make it a destination mountain bike trip? I only rode one set of trails. I heard there's some better trails. I heard there's some worse trails. I think the overall, you know, my wife, who's not even a mountain biker, called it before I went. She's like, I bet you're going to think of it kind of like Bend for, as far as riding, where it's like it's mostly a little XC for me. Right. Well, it's pretty so flat. It sounds like it it's would fairly be fairly flat. Yeah. It sounds but, like it'd be a good cultural experience trip. And you could do some mountain biking, and some and and not totally lame mountain biking by any stretch. Yeah, and some of it's in like cedar trees. And there's you know it's definitely yeah. cool. Well, people go to Bend all the time to go mountain biking. Well, some people love it. Yeah, I mean if what you're not looking to do is is get scared, then Bend is yeah. awesome. And then have some awesome barbecue after, right? Right. Yeah. And if you want, you could wait from five in the morning and still have it run out before you get there, maybe <laughs> for some of the barbecue. <laughs> I, uh, I recently went to Phoenix for a weekend. I went and rode South Mountain, and um, I went to a place in Phoenix that's apparently quite famous called Little Miss Barbecue, and we waited an hour. Oof. And it was like, this place isn't new. Was it's, it good? Oh, it, I thought it was amazing. Nice. Um, but well, yeah, like it's very standard to wait an hour at this place. And sometimes they run out because it's good. What kind of barbecue did you have there? Um, uh, well, my girlfriend got brisket, and then I got pulled pork, and we did a little swappy trade. Mm. You know, try each, and they were both amazing. I think the brisket, the brisket was particularly good. Mm. I think the the pulled pork was great, but the brisket was like wow. I think that's pretty amazing. And apparently, they are known for their brisket. I like brisket. I had brisket three days in a row in Austin. Whoa, nice. Well, can I? You know, there's a place, speaking of barbecue, in, I think it's Big Pine, or is it Independence? On the way up to Mammoth? Yeah. There's I've been meaning to go there. Yeah. Uh, basically, on the eastern side of the Sierras in California, on the way up to Mammoth on the 395, there's a bunch of little eastern Sierra mountain towns that are pretty cool. And this one, gosh, what is the name of it? Uh, what's the name of the barbecue place? Copper? No. I forget. I want to say Copper Top Barbecue, but I'm not 100% sure. It was, I think, voted as the number one, I think it's the number one restaurant in America, according to Yelp. Whoa. No kidding. Wow. It has something like that, or it's like the number one Zagat-rated restaurant. Some, some, something, yeah. and you go, shut up. 
that can't be. And it's pretty good, huh? So the the smoked brisket was amazing and the pulled pork was awesome. But I'll tell you this, the thing that was over the top most notable to me was the smoked chicken. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, it was the most notable like difference maker to me. Do they do tangy barbecue sauce or sweet barbecue mm-hmm. sauce or both? I like the like real vinegary barbecue sauce. Yeah, I think they do both. Mm. Yeah, but the smoked chicken. I do like a good smoked chicken. Man, maybe I've never had good smoked chicken because I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Oh, that's cool. This is really noticeably. Did did you order a bunch of different things or mm-hmm. did your family order things and you all tried? Let's see. I think we might have ordered like three things that had a combination of things. Oh, okay. So you, and then you guys split and traded. And, totally. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That, yeah, when you go to those places, it's like you got to figure out a way to get more than one thing. Exactly. <laughs> and, yes. Yes. <laughs> and when you have four, it makes it easy because, right, right. you know, generally we don't have to order four. Yeah. And three for four, and you can get a pretty good, darn good diversity. Yeah, that's awesome. So anyways. Very all cool. right. You want to read that question, Ock? I, I, oh. I can uh, David, uh, and you didn't say from whence you come, but anyways, it says, um, David, hey, first big crash. Hey guys, a few days ago, miscalculated speed on a new jump, augured in OTB and shattered collarbone. As a mechanic, hand skills and body, body articulation as mechanic, as a mechanic, hand skills and body articulation are my livelihood. I love mountain biking, and I started a couple years ago. It's been incredible, and it's great for my mind, body, spirit, and adrenaline fix. Fix. The crash is still fresh and has me questioning if there's something I can continue doing. I remember Ox crash. Man, I wish I could remember my crash. (laughs) But um, I'm not ready to give it up, but also need to make my soon-to-be family and career the top priority. Is there some balance in there somewhere and how do you get over a big crash crash psychologically? You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work, David. Can I start with a comment on the collarbone in particular? Go for it. So I've broken my collarbone pretty badly. When I got to the hospital, the first comment was, you're going straight into surgery, that your collar, you broke your collarbone all the way off. It turned out that it wasn't broken all the way off, but it was kind of like when you break a green tree branch and it kind of splinters, but then... Oh, yeah. Um, but the point I wanted to make is that it, it about three weeks in, it almost felt like it was not... Not only did it not feel like it was healing, it felt like it was getting worse. Mm. And then right about three and a half, four weeks in, there was a drastic turn to the better. So just hang in there. That's the That's the moral of the story is... This is going to be tough for a few weeks. It it it's a lot of pain, and it feels like it's not getting better. And it feels it feels kind of hope. It starts to feel kind of hopeless after a few weeks. If if it follows, kind of, I've talked to other people who have had this injury, and it's a pretty common story. But um, once it starts to heal, you turn it, the healing is is pretty fast a lot of the time. And four to six weeks, maybe six weeks in or so. If you don't need surgery, and maybe even if you do, you might be feeling real good. So hang in there. 
and based on the date of this email, you might, this is, you're probably going to listen to this podcast. Hopefully, David, you'll listen to this podcast, maybe right about the time that those doubts are really setting in and hang, hang in there. Um, and then as far as the mental side moving on, I've had a couple big crashes that really made me ask this exact question really, really hard. Like, am I being responsible? Is this fair for my family? Is this a smart, am I being an idiot? How dangerous is this? Um, Can I move past the fear? Am I permanently scarred? Am I always going to flinch a little bit at this, from this last crash? Can I gain confidence back and ride confidently? Um, and those are questions that you really have to reflect on. I would say, you know, you can fall getting out of the shower and hurt yourself bad. You can, life isn't safe. You, you quitting mountain biking isn't going to make life safe. Statistically, the bathroom thing is quite common. But yeah, it, but really the, the point of that metaphor for me is that quitting mountain biking is not going to make life safe. Correct. Yeah, speaking of like things that you can do to yourself on common occurrences, I almost knocked myself out today getting into my truck. Mm. Literally, I think I came very close to giving myself concussion. Um, just a side note, we'll get back out of the question. Um, you know, sometimes you park too close to something, yeah, and you can only open your door so far, yeah, and yeah. you kind of have to get into the car, and you're kind of like angling in, right? So I did that today. And I was in a little bit of a rush, and things are wet, and I was carrying multiple things. Um, getting into my car, I had my door open, and I brushed my head on the door. Uh-huh. And I jerked the opposite direction. So I brushed my head on the top of the door frame. Like, uh-huh. reacted, pulled away. Reacted, pulled away, and slammed my head into the car. <laughs> okay. That's a tight. That's a tight window. I mean, I think it was just far enough for to give me enough space to accelerate my head oh, to where that sucks. it was really painful. And I was like, "Oh man, that is." I think I almost knocked myself out. Yeah. Um, but anyways, all that to say, life is not safe. Um, so, David, you're probably getting um, maybe advice from people who aren't quite familiar with mountain biking and the, like the value it brings to your life and what have you. You mean people in his his life exactly. who are like are you, this is so dangerous why do you keep doing exactly. this? Exactly. Who genuinely care for you and who you love and respect and what have you. And, well, and mountain biking is a dangerous I mean it is a yeah. risk-taking behavior. It is. Probably more so than getting into your truck with the door um, or taking a shower or taking a shower. <laughs> There's there's some ranking where people like look at different activities and there's like a like a death per something. It's like a more more some kind of mortality. We, we were looking this up the other day and it was like um, what activities were um, you know resulted in so many deaths and mountain biking is not that high. I was going to say it's probably pretty far down on the list. Mostly bumps it's and bruises. Pretty, yeah, and it, even like okay, even take it a step further. In mountain biking, you probably, again, maybe on the type of riding and where you ride in your skill level, like how far you're you're daily or weekly pushing yourself to that edge, your riding edge to build build skill and what have you. Right. Um, I found myself a few years back 
uh, where I was riding some pretty aggressive trails and and maybe pushing myself to the edge of my riding skill, not in an unreasonable fashion, but enough where I started to notice not just bumps and bruises, which happen on lots of bike rides, but things like uh, having an avulsion fracture on my ankle or <laughs> I knocked myself out or like this, that, or the other thing. And I started thinking, all right, maybe I should that type of writing um, on that particular skill level while I was progressing also incurred these not life-threatening, but yeah, it, it put me out of commission. So I think to sum up what Ak is saying, one way to mitigate the risk is to choose what type of terrain and riding you do. And the yeah. speed that you, that you the choose. the speed that you choose. So for me, there were two big crashes that really brought me to this exact point of reflection. This point, I really feel like the point that our, that our listener is at. And the first one... I broke my I broke a couple bones in my hand so bad that the bone that connects my wrist to my pinky was over next to my my middle finger. Ooh. And they moved it back and pinned it in place and I broke a few ribs in the back and I broke my collar. That was also the one where I broke my collarbone. Wow. So, I was pretty laid up and it was pr- pretty painful and intense. And at that time I w- I was racing expert downhill and I was really trying to train and move up towards, like, the pro level. And that's some hubris in hindsight, but that's a different story. But that's where my mind was. Yeah. Um, not that I could – I mean, I could – anyone can race pro, but, like and, – and I probably could have gotten, like, not last at some local pro races. But, like, the point being, like, I really was – I was pretty serious about downhill, and I was trying to progress pretty hard. And I've always been more about technique than risk, I would say, and com- especially compared to people who – actually, I wouldn't say compared to anyone, but I would say I err more on the side of technique than risk in order to get there. I'm not necessarily one who just doesn't have any fear like, mm-hmm. or, who, or who's totally impervious. I, but I've also always been really aware of the other side where – if you're tightening up or if you're flinching or if you're afraid or if you're playing prevent, like if you're riding not to crash, that can be really dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So that always weighs heavily on my mind in these kind of philosophical reflections is you definitely don't want to veer towards that riding scared because that is honestly riding overconfident and riding above your skill level and above your kind of advancement of fundamentals is dangerous, but I think riding scared and maybe even riding too slow and off pace for the trail might even be more dangerous. So you definitely don't want to ride scared or so slow that you're not on pace where you're getting hung up on stuff on the trail that you shouldn't be for sure. Yeah. So that's a really difficult balance, right? That how do you maintain enough confidence to be safe as safe as you can be and also rein in yourself to like a realistic expectation of what your riding is and still have fun and still and still push your limits and still progress. And the that was, you know, that's where I really was at the conversation after that first crash. And 
the balance that I found that I'm really happy with was to focus on building speed by technique instead of by kind of going for it. In other words, just to double down on what is my kind of natural inclination, which is to focus on technique and rhythm and timing and control and confidence instead of focusing on um, like let it go and just bring it kind of thing. Right. And developing that way. So like maybe ride a pump track, maybe, maybe experiment with flat pedals. Um, really focus on riding with confidence, but, but not trying to go fast. So focus on being confident, but let the speed just come. And, um, work on your skills to progress the speed so that when you attain the speed, you're comfortable with it and do a little at a time incremental progression. Yeah. And that kind of get, I, I, I totally agree with, with everything you said. And, and David, I think I responded to you in an email and, um, take it for what it's worth when, after my reset and what have you, I went back and I I rode that segment as soon as it as soon as my vision my double vision actually allowed me to um at a at a comfortable pace not exactly and that went through my mind exactly what what Tani was talking about don't ride it super like overly conservative because that's probably going to result in a worse experience than than the first time and so <clears throat> Just to help to get that a uh, little bit of confidence back in the quote monkey off your back, not saying that you have to you know take that take that new jump again, but uh, get back on a, a on a familiar trail and build your confidence back uh, slowly and, and surely and you know and let the progression come back to you on a more natural um, way. And, you know, you can practice your braking skills. You can practice waiting and unwaiting. You can practice cor- positioning in corners. There are a lot of kind of unglamorous, on-the-surface ways to build speed confidently and comfortably that once you have them on lock, they really are glamorous because when you're in that corner in perfect position, it actually looks a lot better than the same speed if you're kind of out of control. Yeah, and it <laughs> just a maybe a interesting story anecdote. Uh, dear family friend, uh, you know, kind of mom of a uh, family friend came up to me, and after I had a particular what looked gruesome, but was more of just a flesh wound, um, came to me and and said. Oh, Eric, you you really need to take care of yourself. Like maybe you're just being irresponsible. You know, you have two, you have a family, and this, that, and the other thing, and and what have you. And so, um, and I kind of had this kind of conversation, not this, not this extensive, but just kind of this conversation in a nutshell with her. And and my buddy came up to me and answered and, and said, "Man, that was a really tactful way to have that." you know, have that conversation with, you know, with my mom. Uh, and, and so you're going to, 
have people who have your sincerest best interest in mind come to you and and have this convers have this conversation with you many 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 times um just be patient with them well know? and i would add to that you know mental and emotional health is important too and or as some people would say important um, <laughs> and um i didn't hear it <laughs> well so by mental and emotional health for, i think there are studies that will support this statement Humans require stakes. There needs to be something on the line. With no risk, there's no fulfillment sometimes. And I'm not saying that we need to have extreme risk and put everything on the line for low stakes. But I am saying that mental and emotional health are not low stakes. And they're extremely important, not just for us, but for our families for our wives and kids and for the other people who depend on us. And it goes to that concept that Tim Ferriss talks about sometimes of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. And the, to me, the risks that are associated with mountain biking are pretty low for the rewards in terms of um, sense of stakes, sense of accomplishment, fulfillment, community, and physical outlet, which also goes to direct physical health where you know you're lowering your chances for you know heart disease and type 2 diabetes and and maybe depression and all these other things yeah i agree and you know only half jokingly i i in the past not so much anymore because you know it's uh, I, have, I have a great family but when I was first getting into mountain biking, I would say, honey, mountain biking makes me a better husband when I'm <laughs> Why can't you just be a better husband? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, don't think, I don't think that your wife would ever say that to you or think that. Exactly. But it, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's it would right, be a great it's the right comedic question. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so hey, David, thank you for that uh, for yeah. that question. Yeah, I really appreciate. it. I think that elicited some good thought and reflection from from us, and and helped me revisit some of you know. There's these things where you go through these really elaborate kind of mental processes and reflections along the way to just being who you are, and then sometimes you almost forget about them. Yeah, so it's good to revisit them. Yeah, so. Listeners out there, uh, keep sending your questions. Um, yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. Send your questions. Send your um, topic suggestions, which are essentially like, what would you like us to talk about? Um, remember to email those to podcast at thepathbikeshop.com. Um, you can hit any of us up on Instagram as well. Um, and also, if you ever have, I think, I can probably say this, if you ever have questions on the shop events, um, email val at thepathbikeshop.com if you have any questions on clinics or or events or things like that. I upcoming think, demos. Upcoming demos, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, uh, email val at thepathbikeshop.com. All right. We good? Yeah, I think we're good. We, right. we did about an hour and a half. So thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Auk. As always, I really enjoy podcasting with you guys. And to our listeners, we thank you too. Love the bikey ride.